Open All Isles, the podcast with more hoops and a portion of onion rings. I'm David Fraser. We've got a full house of podcasters tonight. Alongside me, our regulars, Paul Finney. With a microphone, hello. Chris Mendez. Hello. And Chris Charles. With a microphone. Hello. Uh, if you're wondering why all four of us are here tonight, uh, well, it's because this is a podcast not to miss. We have a very special guest tonight who needs no introduction, so I won't give him one. Uh, we're delighted, honoured, overjoyed to be welcoming none other than Queen's Park Rangers club captain, Joey Barton. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for coming, Joey. Uh, we're going to be throwing our usual format out of the window completely this week, handing the show uh, totally over to Joey. We've got plenty of questions that have been sent in on Twitter and Facebook, and Joey has kindly agreed to answer them. In fact, he said before we came on, I'm the sort of person that sort of answers anything, really. So uh, we'll be quite happy to um, put that to the and test. Yeah, watch out, Paul Finney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the mad lefty, apparently. Right, okay. Socialist. <laughs> 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 a mad socialist. Yeah, just a, yeah apparently, Joey was told in the train that I'm just a mad lefty, so it's fine. Yeah. This was on the train back from Norwich. Joey was warned that we're a political podcast. And incidentally, yeah. Paul Finn is the only one without a mic tonight. Good. <laughs> Let's keep <laughs> no it No coincidence, right. of course. Okay, straight on to uh, questions from Twitter. Um, the week we're speaking to you in, Joey, we sort of can't really start without talking about Gary Speed. Um, who, you know, reported yesterday had very sadly taken his own life um, yesterday morning. Uh, one of the questions we had from Twitter was from Clint Hale, um, who said, what's your best memory of Gary Speed? Clint Hale or Clint Hill? Clint Hale. <laughs> Clint Hill. Um, you know, I, I remember Gary Speed obviously growing up a boy at Evertonian and going to the games at that time uh, when Joe Royal was manager and, you know, one of the few instances when I was a kid that Everton had a um, really good side I mean I was born in 82 so I missed the 1985 sort of good Everton side Peter Reid Southall you know so on Lineker Ratcliffe, so on and so yeah. forth yeah um, so I really missed that and then Everton were really mediocre for for a while you know never really competed and wasn't the force that they once were until uh, Joe Royal got the job and you remember we were quite near the bottom of the league I think he took over from Mike Walker and we went on the cup run, I think accumulated in winning the um, in the FA Cup that year. And then the following season, we were in the, the the old Cup Winners Cup, as it was known. And you know, we had some gr- really good players. You know, Gary Speed amongst them, and um, Anders Limpark and Chelsea, obviously Big Duncan. That was my earliest uh, memory of him. Obviously, as a football fan watching it, and I mean, he was brilliant for Everton. Um, he came to Everton, I think, like myself as a boy at Evertonian or, or, or so he claimed to be at the time um, and then obviously you know went on to Newcastle and done phenomenally well and just had a fantastic career And Did you come across him much? Yeah I, I met him because obviously he was a he wasn't at Newcastle when I was there but he was still playing so I've played against him you know numerous times and um, obviously friends of mine who were at Newcastle were obviously friends of his and so on and so forth and I mean, the one thing about about Gary, I think, which uh, anyone in football will, will testify to, is there's ne- I've never heard anyone say a bad word about him. No. A as a man, and, and and B as a professional. So, I think you know it's a surprise to to all of us. I mean, you know, I was in, in Newmarket yesterday, and 
got a text from Keelan Dyer and we were just talking about the game then he said have you heard about Speedo and I was like you know I presume something had happened or he'd, you know there was a maybe an article in a, in a newspaper or something and then when I found out the news I was just a little bit numb like you know I'd watched them on Football Focus on Saturday morning and he didn't have the look of a person who was about to embark on uh, such a tragic um, 24 hours as, as what it turned out to be so I think it's a very, very uh, raw situation and you have to be very, very mindful of uh, the grieving process of, of a number of people. So it's very, very uh, difficult to talk about, you know, and do it justice. I mean, as I say, it, he wouldn't be the the type of person you would ever think um, was capable of this kind of thing. Well, from from the outset anyway, you, you didn't see the the warning signs, and that's what makes it probably a little bit weird. Well, I mean, it's not something we 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 want to dwell on, and, and we can't speculate on what happened in Gary Speed's particular case. But a lot has been said over the last sort of seventy two hours about um, mental illness and depression in football, particularly with Stan Collymore. Uh, his comments that he made over the weekend is that. You know, it, it it no doubt flicks footballers like it does every profession. Is is that something that you've come across or been exposed to, not personally, but with other people in football? I I, I haven't been privy to um, Stan's article, although uh, I've, I've seen a um, a number of people comment on it. But yeah, I mean, people think footballers because they earn what they earn, and are, um, you know, and for the majority of them, they're um, adored. By the public or by the by the fans of their football club, and you know, for all intents and purposes, seem to be very successful in life. You know, but at the end of the day, their emotions, you know, don't change. They don't differ from from any other human being. I mean, you know, they feel vulnerable. They feel, um, you know, insecure, infallible. You know, all number of emotions that every single one of us get just because you kick a ball around in front of thousands of people or you earn X amounts a week. It doesn't, you know, def- you know protect you from that if anything it makes you more vulnerable to it I mean very few of us go to work every day and are accountable you know for us nationally on a, on a weekly basis certainly or every time we play a game you have probably every single newspaper in the land pass and comment on yeah. it so you know it's not you know and also every football fan that, that watches it so it's very few jobs that you go to and everyone has an opinion on how good or how badly you've done your job mm. and it's also a very fickle opinion you know it's realistically I'm very fortunate that when someone writes that I've not played so well I obviously hear the advice but I'm, I judge myself on my own performance so not that it's it's the right thing to do it's just the way I've led to do it I sort of think well what gives someone who works in a bank all week how, how can he qualify judging me as a footballer? He doesn't know. You know, we put him on the pitch. And a lot, I, I also am aware of a lot of... We try our best. A lot of football fans <laughs> sort of say, oh, he should have done this or he should have done yeah. that. You know, there's a reason they're talking about should have done this, should have done that. And the reason that we're out there doing yeah. this or making them decisions is the fact that we're probably a lot better footballers <laughs> than you. <laughs> That's Definitely. the reason we get paid to, to, to play the game. But that, but that goes back to um, what Steve Bruce said the other day, where he reckons the abuse that he was getting on Saturday after they lost was was went over the borderline of decency. 
I mean, do you find that sometimes, like we had this incident didn't we, the other day where they were throwing tips at you, as you said, on Twitter and stuff like that. Yeah. In the corners, so <laughs> it's the first time you've been tipped for take the corner and things like that. Yeah, so that's a testament to how well I played. So thankfully, oh, definitely. you know, if thankfully people the people in Stoke are obviously, you know, the recession probably hasn't hit Stoke at the minute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they got money to spare. Yeah. Obviously. Um, okay. It wasn't even two pence, it was like pounds. And I was really <laughs> surprised. So yeah, I mean, it, it's very, very strange because... People go into a football ground nowadays as is um, as is normal of a Saturday and sort of things that they do in everyday life that are um, that they're not allowed to do. Once you pay into a football ground, it's like, well, all right, we're allowed to abuse um, these these characters out here now because they get paid a lot of money to take abuse from us. I don't get paid any amount of my salary to to take abuse from you know someone in the stand. I, I get paid to. To play football, which I love doing, and I'd probably do for for no monetary um, reward. But it, I didn't ever sign up to play football to to think, well, let's see how much abuse I can take off someone. So there is a fine line. I mean, I'm very fortunate that I was exposed to it from a young age, from my own stupidity. So I've had to be hardened towards it. If I wasn't hardened towards it, a lot of the things that are said to me are really personal. Can be really um, well, you vicious at times, you and. Sorry, Joey. You definitely are hardened towards it because I was going to say we had we saw on Twitter this afternoon after you tweeted us the responses that we got to you and some of the things people say to you are absolutely shocking. Yeah, you sound surprised by that. Well, I'm surprised because I'm in inverted co- well because we all are normal people here and we don't get that kind of treatment See, from that, the people I, I we converse with, with on that. Twitter. I disagree with that. I mean. Okay, I don't I know think what you're there's saying. anything. No one's normal. I mean, what's normal to me isn't necessarily normal to you. Normal right, to me, we're is, not high profile. Well, normal to me is playing in front of thousands of people, right. playing football. That's not normal. So I'm aware of the fact that I'm peculiar, and I think we all should be as individuals aware that we're all different. There's things that turn you on or that don't turn you on, whether it's on the telly yeah, or whether it's sex. The wife will be listening. And, and so on and so forth. So we're all, we're all different. And I think that the, the difficulty we have as human beings is we try our utmost to conform. So I remember being at school and because I didn't like certain things or, you know, we, we try and coerce people because there's safety in, in the crowd. Yeah. You know, the, you know, when you're not out there and you're on your own, then it's a quite a vulnerable position because people say, well, what's he doing? But I actually think that's the best place to be. I mean, when you're in the crowd, if we're all in this room and someone came in and enlightened us with some form of information or some something we'd never seen before, we would all have to take that on board and we'd all form an opinion of it, obviously, but we'd all be aware of it. Now, if I'm in this room on my own I'm a, and I'm exposed to that, then instantly I know more about something than what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're a herd animal, we think because we've got opposable thumbs and we're, we're allowed, well, we can build satellites and spaceships to go to far off places that we are not animals and we, we are not in touch with this animal instinct which is emotional and you know it's an old different debate and you have to remember that there's a person behind a sportsman and eventually when the sportsman um, stops being able to function at his chosen profession or sport he's going to have a lot of problems adjusting to, to normal life Yeah, and, and I think that is why a lot of uh, footballers in particular have you know, a lot don't, but a lot do have problems, you know, going from playing to, to not playing. 
Okay, well, I'm going to sort of take you back, really, from primal animals and following the herd and uh, spaceships. That's a different debate for a different day. <laughs> well, I'm going to take you back to the Norwich game. It's pretty much the same thing. For the record, I never laughed at that joke. <laughs> no, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't. Um, were, you a, were you a frustrated passenger on Saturday? I'm 50 times worse when I don't play because I've got no element of control. I mean, I don't get nervous playing, or very rarely anyway. And that's not blase, it's just that I'm the master of my own destiny when the game's on. When this die code gave me so much win. <laughs> <laughs> it's so gassy. Um, when I am playing, I'm, I'm in control, so it's a lot easier to live with. I think, you know, for, for me on Saturday, it was... You know, you can feel a manager's frustrations. I can understand why managers, you know, pace the touchline frantically because, you know, you're kicking every ball or you're heading every ball or you're going in for every challenge. And I can understand why football fans get so irate. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Joey's struggling with the Diet Coke here that we've... Yeah, given. really bad. You can have a burp pause if you want. Yeah, yeah. no, that's all right. Edit it out. Um, so you can understand why, you know, it's that element of not being able to... Con- you know, or the element of non-control. You know, you're not really in charge of what's going to happen when you're playing. You can. So yeah, I was um, as frustrated, probably as any of the players who played in the game, because I felt they're the kind of games we, if we want to progress in the right way, should not be losing. I'm not saying we should necessarily be winning them, but anyone who was at the game, you know, Norwich weren't we're not the better side. You know, it's not sour yeah, grapes. I'm just. I'm saying they didn't deserve nothing out of the game, but they, I felt, you know, which is sometimes the way in football, we've got a lot of games where we haven't deserved things and got things, and, you know, that's the beauty of the game, but thank you. Um, but fortunately for us, we, we or unfortunately for us, we, we didn't manage to get anything out of the game, so frustrating because we had a great result at Stoke, really building momentum, and sometimes, for me, you've got to carry on on that momentum and, and keep pushing forward. Right, so, um, yeah, we talked about Neil Warnock. Uh, we actually, we haven't talked about Neil Warnock. I was going to say, Neil Warnock talks about the Norwich game the same as you, as in very frustrating. Um, we should have won it. We were the better side. Uh, you and Warnock, how, how do you two get on together? You seem like you're peas in the pod almost, or am I <laughs> he's shaking your head there? We're definitely not peas in the pod. Um, you know, he's a character, and... You know, people probably say I'm a character. Two totally different <laughs> characters. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's an amicable guy. There's a lot of things he does, uh, a lot of things he, he he does or says that um, I agree with. There's a lot of things he does or says that I don't agree with. Um, but he's the manager, and I think he's done a fantastic job for the for the football club. Um, and it's a club in transition. I think people have to remember that. I mean, I think that, I think you know the, the manager for the if you asked him, he'd say he's sort of it's unfounded territory for him. You know, a football club that isn't trying to get out of a division, or you know, he hasn't got a fight against the boardroom unrest. He's got a club where the owners and 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 sort of everyone is pulling in the same direction. And I think also, or you know, without I, I, I haven't really done that much delving, but I think it's the first football club where he's had a decent amount of uh, budget to, to go out and purchase the kind of players he wants. So I think it's a big opportunity for him. Um, we're very fortunate as players that we'll, we all, we tend to, or most of us tend to, 
have a lot more longevity than the managers. I mean, being a manager's, as I say, very frustrating because you can only prepare your side. But also, you know, you have no real, you know, you buy the players and you train the players and you put the players together and you pick the team. But that's where your um, control stops and you're sort of governed by the kind of players you have. I mean, a lot of players can be the undoing of managers, so, and a lot of players can be the making of managers. So it's a mutual thing and vice versa. So I think for Warn, you know, for for, for Neil Warnock, it's it's a massive, it's a massive test in his career. I mean, what is he sixty odd years of age? And I think it's a big moment in his career. He's a chance to establish himself as a as a legitimate um, Premier League manager. Yeah. Um, when I said peas in the pod, I, I was meaning you both speak your mind, and you're you know, it was more that sort of sense. Just to clarify that. Um. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think. You know, he does speak his mind. That's one of the great facets of him. But I think also, he really enjoys um, the notoriety of some of the comments he says. And I don't know whether he says them <laughs> to be controversial. So I get what you're saying because sometimes I think say things that um, maybe a little bit close to the bone for certain people, but are intended but to be the truth. People could say exactly the same thing about Joey Barton. That's what I'm saying they? now. I'm actually saying that. Um, yeah. You know, so I can understand why people say peas in the pod, um, but as personality types were, were totally different. Yeah, yeah, I think, no. I think, you know, you know, one observation I can make about the manager is, you know, he's certainly, you know, not backward in coming forward, and, and probably people say the same thing about me, and that's probably why I, um, I like him. I mean, it's it's refreshing, in my opinion, to to have an opinion. Okay, we've got, we've got yeah, a couple, yeah. couple of questions. <laughs> I think <laughs> saying that you wouldn't get to the level you are now if you didn't have that. You know I mean? wouldn't get to the level of what. Uh, you know the freshest, you know, your England cap playing playing the, in the Premiership for the years. If I didn't have an opinion, I'd certainly no, no, I think have, I would. having the mindset that you have a strong character. Uh, that was just fashioned when you know you're a product of your environment, um, and also you know it takes a lot. You know it takes a lot for your self confidence to come out sometimes. Sometimes I, for a lot of the time I was thinking, what gives me the right to pass comments on anything? What gives me the right? But also you were you were fighting against the fact that newspapers that do interviews with you. And they'd already written the story before they got to you. So, realistically, what you were wanting to say was never put across because they had a story or a, or a certain spin they wanted to put on it and that was the box you were going to fit in. I think what's changed, certainly in my um, in, in, in my life or, or the media's perception of me is the fact that I've been able to negate said newspapers and go direct to the consumer which is you know the people on Twitter and and literally smash down any preconceived ideas or you know whatever people have thought of me in the past I mean I was in a a really fortunate position is that everyone thought I was this Neanderthal caveman type that just rolled out of nightclubs beating people up and there was an element of my character obviously that conformed to that but also there was a, a lot of different layers um, below that. But the newspapers didn't want to know about that. They only wanted to find out this small facet of you that tended to get um, had a propensity towards violence um, when I was drunk. So yeah. that didn't it didn't make copy that I was a lot of different other thi- you know different. There was a lot of things going on. It didn't make copy. It was not newsworthy. The newsworthy stuff was. What I was doing wrong. Um, well, it's, it's interesting you say that because when you made your debut against Newcastle, obviously it had been built up for weeks. 
and you could just tell the Red Tops were desperate for you to have an altercation uh, on the pitch or to make a gesture to the fans or do something. But as it turned out, you had a model game, didn't put a foot wrong. We were unlucky not to win 3 or 4 nil. And the Sun headline on the front page the following morning, Barton in no trouble, shocker. So that's, that's, what, it was. that's what it was on the front page of the Sun the next morning. But you know what? See, I've I, I, I struggled with that. I mean, yeah. instantly to be, to the Sun f- gets my back up. Well, well <laughs> particularly being from Liverpool, I'm sure, but... To be fair to you, you you know, on the pitch, obviously, you have a sort of odd altercation, as is any player that plays the way you do is, gonna, is going to. But you haven't been in any kind of controversy off the pitch for three, four years, longer. And people people definitely forget that and discount that and kind of just well, hammer you anyway. Uh, that's it, yeah. I mean, you know, look, there's a lot, a lot of people so much... Worse off than me. I'm not going to bleat on about my circumstances. I actually think I'm very fortunate, and a lot of people say I probably didn't deserve the chances that I got in the game. But for, for whatever reason, I, I I feel I've made you know the most of, of of a bad situation. I mean, I was you know the fact that I was a Premier League footballer going to jail for a period of time sort of says that it got quite bad for me. But there was a lot of um, underlying issues and a lot of different facets to you know it wasn't as straightforward as. I was out of control you know there was an element of me that was out of control and unguided and all these other kind of things and, and one day I'll probably write a book and, 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 and sort of put my side of I think so I think it's relevant too now I mean there's so many times I look at the modern day more monosyllabic footballer and think every single well a lot of them are conforming to stereotype and it's quite I think you know for me I actually I know a lot of people say I, I constantly talk all the time but I think the fact that I have a, a media uh, following or, or an, an online sort of following is that people want to hear, you know, the s- sportsmen not talk about what corporate brands want them to talk about. You know, for, for me, a lot of people don't have an opinion. And I think most footballers you meet are actually decent, decent guys and tend to have opinions, but they're, well, they're scared, aren't they? For the reasons you're saying, because the media will hammer them for it. Well, not only not only once you raise your head above the the parapet, you know, I'm the same. Probably the, there's an element that'll come for me and say, well, what qualifies you to say what you say and do what you do after what you've done previously? And I'll actually flip it around and say, well, surely I'm perfectly placed to, you know, I've actually walked the walk. I mean, what qualifies you as a newspaper journalist to judge me who's actually achieved a lot more with the tools I've been given than what you've done you know it's so much easier to talk about what people are doing wrong in their life than actually doing it right I mean I'm surmising if I went and analysed every single person who's written an article about me in a negative context and looked at their lives and looked at the mistakes they'd made I'm certain I could find vast amounts yeah. of, of, of issues and, yeah. and maybe issues that they're still carrying on to this day the reason I don't <coughs> And is the reason I take confidence from it is for them to be writing about me and not me writing about them says that I'm more successful in my chosen field than what they are. Yeah, good point, jo- Joey. Uh, just quickly, sorry. How, how much do you? How much of you staying out of trouble do you attribute to staying off the booze, and how much do you attribute to other stuff? Say, for example, you know, help that you seeked, and I mean, it's a cup accumulation of, of a number of different things it's not as simple as saying right well I'm not going to drink and that will stop me from getting in trouble obviously there's a lot of issues that were pre-programmed in me which made me 
the kind of football that I, that I, I was that that got me to you know play in the Premier League but also on the flip side of that you know that drive that inner determination that will to win all these kind of things not only did they enable me to be you know a, a, a decent footballer I wasn't able to walk off the pitch and turn them off you know the, the same aggressive tendencies that, that drove me to succeed um, in, in my chosen profession were also some of the same tendencies that got me in a lot of trouble off the pitch because you know you, 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 it's, it's difficult to think you know to take the pitch in front of 50-60,000 people and kick a ball around is not normal it's it's a peculiar type of person that's able to thrive in that atmosphere I mean for me I had people abusing me verbally while you know singing at the top of the voices all manner of subjects in a negative context so for me it was so so it was either comply or die I mean either I let them sort of win and went into my shell and probably would fizzle out and not be the, the, the person and the footballer and the man I am today or I decided you know to use all everyone's negative um as ammunition to, to drive myself forward in the positive. Right, <clears throat> excuse me. Now, Joey, uh, we could, I'm going to rattle through a few questions here because there's a lot of people have sent questions through, so uh, a lot of them QPR fans, obviously. Uh, Chad Coombs says, uh, is QPR a stopgap until something bigger comes along or are you here to help build for the future? No, I'm here for to take this club to the next level with A and other, you know, or a, a lot of other players. I mean, I didn't come... I didn't, I'd never make a decision like thinking oh, I'll go there to go elsewhere. I mean, I'd probably, if I made that decision, I'd have probably stayed put um, where it was. Rode my contract out at Newcastle and um, you know sort of lev- you know gambled it against uh, getting a big move. But the 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 project and the ambition of, of of the new owners appealed to me. All right, look, it's not ideal. There's a lot of things about the club that um, are very lower league sort of to be kind to it mentality and a lot of them need changing and we're in the process of changing that as a football club for me I think it's an exciting time to be a Queen's Park Rangers fan I think the fact that we're selling out almost every home game and there's a you know there's definitely a, a, a big presence at away games makes me think that the, the fans are buying into it as well so yeah. it's exciting well, times I, I think I can speak for all of us here that that's definitely the case um, now Daniel Cecil says uh, or Cecil whatever it is says who would you like to see at QPR in January what player has impressed you the most since joining what player in terms of I, I'm guessing current uh, player yeah I'm, I'm guessing that so, sorry you mean QPR player yeah QPR player sorry yeah w- within the side is it I mean the, I was blown away by our you know our genuine sort of hard working decent set of guys were were at the club when I came I mean very very few football clubs you go to and you walk in and there's not many egos and not many uh, hidden agendas I mean you know like any other any football club there is one or two um, that need to uh, buy into the team ethic and hopefully they will do Um, but also there was a great nucleus of players left from you know win the championship which is obviously no mean feat I mean for me I think it, it, it's not really my way to single someone out, but I think Ali Fallen was a player I didn't know very much about. Um, 
and, and, and probably Jamie Mackey as well to a certain extent um, t- till I come to the club and I think both of them have got big futures I mean they're both young enough to make an impression in the game and I think they'll both uh, hopefully be a part of a QPR side that, that goes um, marching forward yeah well so say all of us and uh, the last one of the, the first crop of questions Steve Say says uh, can you ask Joey what swung it for him to come to QPR and how come it took you so long to decide <laughs> um, I was obviously deemed by the by the by the uh, board at, uh, at Newcastle, you know, um, persona non grata. Really, I mean, they didn't they didn't want me because why? Well, I asked questions. You know, they, they promised reinvestment of the Andy Carroll money, and I was asking where it was. You know, they they promised a number of things and delivered on very few of them. And when I was taking the pitch, I, th- I felt I had an unbelievable rapport with with, the f- with my fellow professionals and, and obviously with the fans and, and even to an extent the management there, except for the owners. And it was always going to be difficult. You know, for me, I take the pitch and I'm a football fan playing football and I have to believe in the cause that I'm playing for. I think I couldn't turn up and just pick my money up. It's not me. It's not what I do it for. You know, I do it for because I want to prove people wrong. I do it because I want to prove to myself um, all manner of things. And I also do it because I think it's important um, to be a part of a football club. I think it's important to care about your job. I think it's Im- it's important to, to want to be the best you can be. You, know, you might not be the best player in the world, but the best you can be. I think if you do that, I think you, you, you lead a life of contentment, whether that's as a footballer or not. I think if you can get up and look yourself in the mirror and actually you know, say, you know what, I've, I've done everything I can do. I, I, I had a football career where I got the best out of my ability. I've probably been guilty of not doing that for a long time in my career. And um, For me, I want to prove to myself that I, that I can you know, get the most out of my career. I mean, at Newcastle, I couldn't take to the pitch. And, and and lie to the fans and, and be part of it and, and say, yeah, I'm fully, you know, because that's what they're asking us to do. When I take to the pitch and I pull the shirt on, obviously you're doing it for yourself and you're doing it for, for, for the fans and you're doing it for the football club. But if you fundamentally despise everything that the owners stand for... It's very, very difficult. I'm a man of principles, and maybe you know that's the reason I'm not at Newcastle. Is I'm a very principled individual, and for me, you know, pulling, taking money off fans and taking the piss out of them is not what I'm about. I wouldn't condone it, or never would, and I'd rather walk away with my dignity and my self-respect intact. And I feel I've done that. I mean, you know, you ask any Newcastle fan, you know, I've, I would never say a bad word about the club. Um, I've got a lot of ill feeling towards. Uh, Derek Lambias and Mike Ashley has a, a number of Newcastle fans but you know the, the football club is always going to be bigger than any said individual I mean they might own the football club now but they're only in my opinion they're only taking care of it till you know s- someone else comes in or you know someone you know you know they pass and, and someone else pass it on so they're only they're only leasing it you know they've paid a lot of money and they've well you know, I keep getting told that they're really savvy businessmen, but I defy, you know, dealing with them on a daily basis, which I have. And of course, they changed the name from St. Ja- <laughs> the stadium from St James's Park 
which is legendary in football to uh, Sports Direct Arena. Well, that for me, I mean, things were going so well there, and I actually, I really want the club to do well as much as I really don't like them. I think it's important because I like the manager and I like a lot. I've got a f- lot of friends at the football club, not only playing staff but members of staff. And also, I had a great rapport with the fans, so I want the football clubs to do really well. Like people think, I'm not happy about Newcastle doing so well. I'm actually really happy. Obviously, the the, the flip side of my happiness is the fact that if they, if Newcastle do well, then you know, um, yeah, we don't do, want them to do too well, do we? Well, <laughs> if, New, if Newcastle do well, then obviously the people who I don't like are doing well. But for me, there's more people I like at the club than yeah. dislike. So for me, I'd, you know, it's it's a no-brainer. And also the fact that you've sort of got to keep your professional head on and, and, you know, no matter what, I think I'll always have an affiliation with that football club just because the journey I was on in my life, highs and lows, I was sort of involved in that. And a lot of people say to me, oh, yeah, but Newcastle paid your wages when I was in jail. And this is this is a, a an exclusive for you, but they never... I was not paid, not that I wanted to be, but I was not paid. I was also um, given a contract from, I think it was Dennis Wise at the time, saying if I didn't sign um, a renegotiated deal on a lot less money than what I was on, that they would sack me. Um, And that had come from Mike Ashley, who obviously controls the club. So they basically gave me an ultimatum that if I didn't sign this contract on a fifth of the money I was on, they were going to sack me. I was sitting in a jail cell at the time, so I had no real, um, power. no real yeah. power. I had to either do it or, or not do it. As principled as I am, I said to um, the guy who was my agent at the time, "I'm not signing. Fuck him. I'll, I'll, I'll let them sack me. I'll, I'm quite confident I'll come out of here and get back to the player I was." So I, I, it, that was nothing against the football club. That was the fact that I was getting, in my opinion, um, railroaded into doing something I didn't want to do. He got a copy of the contract from Wise um, that he was meant to bring into into Walton Prison for me to sign. He actually took it to his solicitor in London, and the solicitor put it in a safe. And legally, they were bound. They either had to sack me or keep me on the contract I was on. They couldn't renegotiate the similar length of deal at, at, at you know with lower money. So once he phoned them up and told them about the the FA's rules and regulations in terms of contracts and the fact that he had this contract which had proven they were trying to renegotiate they couldn't then sack me um, and from that moment on I was never you know and a lot of the questions I had for Derek Lambias were well hang on a minute you tried to do this to me when I was having a bad time so did you think that now I'm now I'm playing really well like this is nothing against the club. This was a personal issue. They, in my opinion, they tried to fuck me when I was at a low time, and then yet they were demanding loyalty from me for three years down the line when I was playing well. And I was like, well, I'm going a minute. There's got to be, you know, there's some balance here. You can't be, you know, the way you've been with me. And he and Derek was saying, oh, that's not me. That was Dennis Wise. That was this. That was that. At the end of the day, at that football club, Mike Ashley's the Ayatollah. You know, nothing happens without him. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing happens without his say so. So, in my opinion, and it, you know, it came from Mike. No decision at the club was made without Mike's knowledge, and he must have signed off on it to say, "Yeah, go and do that." Um, 
So that was always there in the background. So it was a lot. There's a lot more. I mean, there's millions of stories for other days about what they got up to. But I'm no, not. But it, I'm not. It's, it's interesting because my impression as a football fan was Joey Barton left Newcastle because he's caused some trouble. And what you've just said in the last five minutes, you know, completely puts a different perspective. Yeah, but don't forget that. Newcastle as a playing squad last year. As a playing squad last year, Newcastle net were the only club in Premier League history not to sign a bonus sheet never happened it's unprecedented that a club did that we refused as a playing staff because they tried to railroad um, the players into signing a bonus sheet it fundamentally cost Chris Hutton his job in my opinion um, because Chris couldn't get us to sign the players bonus sheet Mike Ashley said he's got no control over the players he needs to go and I think that was his undoing obviously that happened over a period of time we had a great affiliation with Chris and as I say this is all my opinion and from snippets of information I've picked up um, Chris knew he was on borrowed time from that and there was a guy who in my opinion had kept the club together in a, you know, when they went down to the championship he had no budget you know, he had obviously inherited the playing staff that was fragmented and disjointed and the guy handled him himself with nothing but dignity done a fantastic job with his, his, with a, a, a number of coaching staff again swimming against the tide in, in my opinion at boardroom level and got the club back into the Premier League which as most QPR fans will testament to is, is, is a fantastic you know it's not an easy league to win you look at it this year there's 7-8 teams could win it but Newcastle won it at a canter yeah um, so just sorry Going back to the original question um, so No I need to get I need oh, to sorry. get this off my chest no, carry, on, carry on, on. Oh, Go on, sorry, go, on go on Carry on So what happened was They got rid of Chris Hewton, Um And obviously I, I, I felt the way they'd done it They just could have Hand themselves with a little bit More dignity And it was disappointing And I felt aggrieved by it At the same time We refused to sign The bonus sheet So they, Their opinion was Even though every single club In the Premier League history since 1992 had had these arrangements in place they decided that we were paid workforce which they probably have an argument they thought we were sports direct and that we should do what the subordinates at, at sports direct do forgetting that you're dealing with 20 odd egos probably 10 self-sufficient men who were in a position to make you know a number of different judgments and and Myself, Kevin Nolan, Alan Smith, Steve Harper, and Andy Carroll, probably the you know the bigger name players at the time, advised the playing staff because we were the head of the players committee not to sign the bonus sheet. Um, obviously, that filtered back to boardroom level. It's no coincidence that I got sold. Well, I got given away. Um, Andy Carroll was sold. Um, Kevin Nolan was sold. Steve Harper as you know, fantastic servant for the football club has been forced to go on loan and made his position made untenable. And Alan Smith told he's going to train with the reserves for the rest of his days, and they don't want him anywhere near the football club. So for me, it's all about power and control. Like they're running the football club, and you know it's going really well for them at the minute. But I think that's more a testament to the players and the fans, and also to the manager. I think the manager's been different class and. Um, I just wouldn't like to go to work and work for those two um, cretins. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've got a great affiliation with the football club and really hope they do well and you know, always look for the results and, and I can't wait to go back to St James Park. It's one of the you know, great places to play to play football in this country. 
unless you're the Wii fan, you can't see anything. Okay. Right. Have right. You, yeah. Uh, sorry, Joe. I, I, I genuinely thought you'd finished then. I wasn't. Being Is this rude. a QPR podcast? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just. <laughs> just yeah. Just just very quickly then. Um, why QPR then above the other clubs that were interested? Just really exciting um, proposition. You know, when I met you know Tony Fernandez for for the people who've met him, and you know he has infectious enthusiasm. And I think the fact that the club really wanted me. I mean, there wasn't. You know, I spoke with a, a number of clubs, but th- this was a club that made a you know a real big play at me. Um, obviously, you know, coming to live in London, and there was a number of different um, f- sort of facets that that wanted. You know, I wanted to challenge myself to come out my own, you know, comfortable environment. I, as I say, I could have stayed at Newcastle and, you know, sort of carried on doing what I was doing. But it was important for me to to get a new challenge in my life. I mean, I was about to start a family, and I wanted, you know, to to have a, a football club that wanted me. Um, and I know, you know, there was a lot of people at Newcastle that did, but the people that owned the club, I think, made my position untenable and. I met and spoke with Phil Beard and Neil Warnock and uh, Tony Fernandez, and the fact that they wanted me just made me think, yeah, this is this is the place for me. And you know, there's been some really tough times, and no doubt there will be, but that's what it's about. I mean, you know, when when you do have any kind of success, or you do have, you know, great days like we did um, at Wolves and Stoke, you know, that it's all about the hard work that goes into it. You know, if you turn up and win every week. Be boring, wouldn't it? You know, it'd be so easy because so you know, if you had you know steak for your dinner every night, you'd eventually get bored of it. You I'd know, give so it a go. eventually, I could probably handle it for well, three seasons. Yeah, I mean, I'd, for me, it'd be nice to win quite a bit. But if you knew you were going to win, what, what's the point? You know, yeah. that's not what it's about. It's about the hard work that goes into. I bet Chelsea that. fans don't think that at the moment. Seventeenth yeah. place and above, we'd be happy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd take finishing a place below Newcastle at the minute. But, do but to be fair, though, don't forget it was only something like this. But ten years ago, we lost to Fox and Mudders in the FA Cup. Like we have come a long way, and I can't even believe that we're sitting here in front of Joey Barton and we've got Sean Wright Phillips inside and other players that have got real quality. Not that the other players were bad, but look how far we've come so quickly. Please, can we have a fourth-round FA Cup draw? That's all I ask for. Has that not happened for a while? Uh, we're, the, we're the worst FA Cup record in the country. Not in ten years. Ten years. Luton Town, the last time we won. No, it's longer. It's, it's longer. No, it's not. 2001. That was Luton Town in the replay. Anyway. All right. We, uh, believe it or not, we've done 40 minutes already. So uh, let's uh, rattle through some of the questions, because we've got a lot of questions. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we just been asked? We just do these uh, quite quickly then. Um, should we? Um, what about the Twitter stuff? Do you want to? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, very quickly. I mean, first of all, going around this table, how many followers have you got, David? I've got, I think, two thousand two hundred. Paul, I, forgot, I, He's, uh, I thought you were counting. Kind of <laughs> I've got, I've got a thousand and thirty-four, but half of them hit me. Chris, uh, <laughs> a few hundreds. And I've got just just over two and a half thousand. Joey, uh, last count, eight hundred fifty-eight thousand. Then when did you start tweeting, Joey? Um, after the last game of the season against West Brom last year, um, May the twenty <laughs> third or something. Like that. So <laughs> what happens when you join a big club? <laughs> so six <laughs> months. Six what, months. What, yeah. Well, obviously, you're really big on Twitter, Joe. I wanted to ask how often do you um, on one side, how often do you tweet something and then stop yourself, and on the flip side, how often do you tweet something and regret it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Obviously, a character sort of like me polarises opinion no matter what I say and with 800 and odd thousand people 
you could say the most productive most positive thing in the world not that I do I'm quite cynical actually but if I did there would be an element of society that cannot see the roses for the thorns they will always see the negative in anything I say so I have to believe my opinion is my opinion it's not the right way or the wrong way it's just my way and it's the way I see things I don't say things for any other reason than I believe it you know there's a lot of things I say that are totally wide of the mark and no one else should agree with and I don't try and coerce people into thinking the way I think I also think I'm quite rational in, 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 in the way I say things and a lot of the time I don't instantly um, fire it out there just flipping comments it's usually qualified in some way or there's some breakdown of how I get to what I say there's a lot of times I go to tweet things and I think how is this going to be perceived I mean for for whatever you know because the profile of it I have to be aware that anything I tweet is liable to end up in a newspaper or is liable to end up in all number of um, media vehicles so I'm obviously aware of that um but also it's quite a pioneering technology I mean no one well there's a lot of people who've tweeted but very few have tweeted I think talking about the things I'm talking about as a modern day sportsman I think talking about social issues and politics and you know mundane TV programmes and all manner of things I mean you know my Twitter feed is sort of so diverse that it doesn't really fit in any box I mean I have an opinion on everything not as I say not necessarily always the right opinion in <laughs> fact a lot of the time it, 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 but it's an opinion I think it's important that people realize that they do have opinions I mean you know whether it's through fear of you know getting the sack at work or whether being a social pariah or I don't know what it is but I think we've gone away from having opinions as a, as a race you know when it, when everyone gets down the pub and has a few pints everyone has all manner of opinions but yet when sitting in front of the computer or when they're talking they're fearful of the PC brigade and what they'll say about what what they think and for me that's borderline fascism when you're worried about what people think about you I think it's important that you have an opinion I mean I think society is in a bad way because no one seems to have an opinion or no one in a prominent position to lead the, the nation has any opinion that counts everything's party policy or party line or you know all this other corporate um, crap that's out there <laughs> someone's <laughs> phone ringing <laughs> yeah um, yeah so it, it's difficult I think it's a social problem we have I think it's important and I think you know with the modern media you know you're seeing it, it's no coincidence I don't think that people you know in, in terms of the riots and in terms of you know, all this Occupy sort of Wall Street and Occupy, I think Bristol's going on at the minute and Occupy St. Paul's and I think the people are getting fed up and also now there's a place where everyone sort of condenses and is able to share their opinion that what they're unhappy about and protesting against it and I think for me, government or leading figures in this country have to conform because the people have got a voice now and they're not happy with what's going on and rightly so Um, you know, I don't condone the riot in, in any stretch um, at all I think everyone has the right to protest everyone has the right to an opinion everyone has the right to voice their opinion good or bad or whether you agree with it or whether you don't 
But I think when rioting uh, is involved, or when it goes from protesting, which it started out as allegedly, to looting and rioting and criminal damage, that's not constructive. Uh, everyone, you know, you know, if they want to, they should burn down the Houses of Parliament. But <laughs> it's not right. It's not going to achieve anything. I mean, they can literally do what they want. But what's that going to achieve? I mean, there's a way to protest. There's a way, in my opinion, to to get what you what you want and and that is not necessarily through violence i've tried that it didn't work for me um <laughs> obviously i don't know what the riots have achieved other than given thousands of people criminal records it's, uh, i mean it's obviously f- it's obvious following you on twitter you have loads of different interests outside of football and you mentioned earlier how um you could relate your off your past off-field problems like the aggression you showed to how you were on the football field do you think any of your you know new interests do you think that's taken anything away from you on the pitch or do you think it's helped at all what the fact that i haven't got as much aggression yeah i've I probably still got the same level of aggression i just have a different way of, of dealing with it yeah it's just all about control and how you deal with your circumstances nothing emotionally hasn't changed for me i've just been given tools through you know being fr- you know having very good friends and very good sort of people who've given me some great advice in terms of being able to handle different situations and also knowing that for whatever reason I didn't want to be famous I played football because I loved playing football I didn't play football for any of the other materialistic uh, bullshit that comes with it other than the fact that I was good at football and I really enjoyed it obviously I'm not going to complain and say, oh, I didn't want this or that, or I didn't want to be able to earn a lot of money. Obviously I do, because that gives me the chance to give my f- my siblings and, and their siblings a, a better start in life than I had. Um doesn't necessarily make them better people or not, it just gives them opportunities that maybe I never got. So for that reason, it's really good. On the flip side of it, you know, it's, it, it's very difficult because people sort of say, well, you earn this, you should be able to do this, you should be able to do that. I'm very fortunate, I think that... I've, you know, my 29 years on this planet, had a lot of highs and lows, a lot of them self-inflicted. So I've had to learn from them. I think, you know, my journey's been a journey that wouldn't be ideal for anyone else, but it's fashioned me into this person that I am today, and it gives me the ability to qualify a lot of the stuff I say. And also, you know, I'm very fortunate that I have a lot of opinions and I've I've got um, the confidence to express them but also I'm aware of the fact that because I'm, you know, I've, I do have enough money to, to not be beholden to anyone. You know, if I was working for a company and I was literally having to provide for my family and, you know, my, my livelihood depended on it, you know, that would probably suppress a lot of the yeah. the comments I'd make. Or, you know, I'm for, in a fortunate position that I have a three, freedom of thought and that freedom of thought enabled by the fact that I don't have to... Um, conform in order to to earn a living Um, and I waited as I said for a long long time for a prominent public figure to to look at and to say do you know what this is someone who says it how it is like this is someone who believes what I believe and I couldn't find them or there was very few of them about and I think now it's more relevant than ever for sportsmen to have an opinion I mean we can actually you know people label role model at me quite a lot when I was getting in trouble and now when I'm wanting to make a change, a social change, and I'm also, in my opinion, commentating socially about what's going on in the world around me. It's like, oh, hang on, should a footballer really be talking about that? Mm. Well, in my opinion, who's better qualified to talk about it? Someone who's actually from a a working-class background who is now a prominent public figure for 
maybe you know notorious reasons or you know for whatever reason people know who I am so it's important that I have a voice and also I think I can reach people that Nick Clegg and David Cameron and, and, and Ed Miliband could never dream of getting to um, and I think it's important that prominent sport, uh, social and, and public f- sport figures start having an opinion stop being governed by Nike or Adidas or you know whatever brand it is I mean you know these people have no opinion because they're paid to have no opinion I mean Really, I'd rather have an opinion and no money than no opinion and loads is of money. After football, I mean, is that something you'd look at after football? You, could, you know, with the amount of followers you've got, obviously, you, as you've just said, you see yourself as a role model, which is correct. I mean, after football, do you think um, a career outside of football? In politics, uh, t- To maybe? be honest, I'm just enjoying playing football. Maybe that might be where my life goes. Who knows? I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the only... Quite cliche, but the only days you can control are... Uh, is today I mean there's no point worrying about what's going to come tomorrow I'm quite confident in the human being I am and the man I am the, I'll make a lot of a lot of positive decisions but I'm a human I will error frequently from now till I stop playing football and beyond but you know for me it's it's not about telling people sorry this Diet Coke is so bad <laughs> <laughs> um, for me it's not about telling people what what they should or what they shouldn't do I'm just passing comments on the world that's going on around me. I I don't want my kids to watch these reality TV shows and emulate these people because these people are famous for having no talent and are selling the souls. I mean, you know, people are... For me, and this is going to sound quite controversial, but I had, I had a well-documented it, uh, public spat with a reality TV show. And I think... You know, whichever way we look at it, maybe I started it, maybe they started it, but I'm passing comments on them, and you know they could probably pass comments on me, and, and more than likely will do, and are welcome to. But one of them allegedly was a prostitute, and wasn't a drug addict. Now, you feel f- you know sorry for people who are addicted to drugs and have to do certain things to make ends meet, and God forbid any of us were I- were ever in that position. But this girl wasn't. She was doing it to fund a materialistic lifestyle so realistically letting a guy you don't know take you out as an escort or or whatever it is so you could have the latest pair of jimmy chews for me i wouldn't i would be really really unhappy if my children chose to do that what in the world would you rather why would you sell your soul for for that kind of gain because at, at, at some point the shoes aren't good enough, so what's the next thing you go on to? Or the or the or the the handbag's not good enough. I mean, and yet we're glorifying these people on TV. These are these are absolute cretins in my in my opinion, and we shouldn't be glorifying them. And there is an element of this populace that don't like them, as judged by my Twitter feed. But there's also a few people who defend them and say. Oh, just leave them be. They're not causing anyone any harm. And I suppose they have a point, and they're not. And they're not forcing an opinion on anyone. But you have maybe people out there who don't really have role models or figures in the family life. And they're looking to be led. Because not every every person out there are leaders. Some people, you know, we all do. I like looking at people and saying, yeah, you know what, there's really good traits about him. And I want to be, you know, I want, I like that about him. And I try and do certain things because that's how we get on. And yet, all these you know, shows, I could name them, just carry on naming them, just air well, me ta- greatly. You're talking about the anyways, Essex. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I've, I've actually stopped watching it. I mean, I don't think X Factor's great for kids. I, I don't think, 
I'm a celebrity or I'm in fact nowhere near a celebrity. I'm just <laughs> desperate to sell my soul to get some money in the bank. And you've got it, you know, fair play to them if they're gonna if they're prepared to do that. I just think it's it's sad. I mean I understand the the element of, of us that likes to look at it and think Yeah, famous people are, are as much struggling or to laugh at them because it makes your life and your existence okay if you're sitting in your suburban house in Barnsley and you're seeing Fatima Whitbread doing press ups in a bikini in the jungle <laughs> if that makes your life um, I haven't actually watched this programme for a number of reasons no Finney told you me about that seem to know quite a lot about it <laughs> I, actually, I actually caught a little bit of that in the paper that's all I know about it but I've obviously seen the, the programme before and the precedent it sets and I'm just like wow does this, is this really what people want to see I mean I watched a programme last night about how they build satellites and I was just like wow this is and maybe that's just me maybe that's just the fact that I'm, I'm slightly weird and Okay, okay. We um, we uh, we we usually get half an hour on here. We're nearly at an hour, so let me rattle through a few more of the questions that we've been asked. First of all, Q- on, on the subject of QPR, we have to ask you about Adele, Adele Tarap, because we've been asked a lot on. She's that. a good singer, Adele. Yeah. Uh, uh, is that where he is resting his voice? Is that why we haven't seen him for a few weeks? Chasing pavement. Steve Allerton, yeah. Sean Holloway, QPR Cookie, QPR Goddard—they've all pretty much asked the same thing. What's going on there? I don't know. You have to ask the manager. I don't pick. I don't pick the side. Okay. So, uh, all right. To to um, to ask you a specific question then, which is from QPR Goddard. Does it frustrate you to see a talent like Adele currently who's going to waste? Because it must be for Neil Warnock, and it certainly is for the fans. I mean, going to waste. I, I don't know how anyone qualifies that question. I mean, he he hasn't had the greatest. That, at times I think he'll be the first to admit that but you know if you don't play well there's good enough players in and around the squad to take your place I mean by all accounts he had a a great year last year but last year's last year this year's this year I mean if you're doing your job you stay in your job if you're not doing it someone comes in to replace you and this is the Premier League this is the the biggest league the most competitive league in the world bar none Um, and a club like QPR we can't have any passengers and until um, Adele forces the manager to pick him then all I do is turn up train and if I'm deemed um, good enough to play I play if I'm not then that's an all, whole different set of spanners but I mean Adele's got to you know look within and, and get him force his way back into the football team do you, do you think it's more in his head though I mean you said last season that's fair enough but at Newcastle I thought he was really good I mean I, I thought he was one of the best players on the pitch in, the, in your debut against Newcastle against Wigan he was unlucky good shot hit the post since then he just seems to have gone on a nosedive um, I mean you, the thing is I'm asking that because I, obviously I don't know him I don't see him on a day to day basis I'm just wondering whether he's I don't know it just seems to as a QPR fan it just seems that he, he doesn't seem bothered sometimes and you don't have to answer that if you don't want to yeah as I say it's difficult for me to answer all I can do is answer for myself I mean he's, he's a complex character that, that, that's I think we're all aware of that he's you know he's fantastically talented um, but also quite complex it's, it's, it's difficult um, it's a question you'd probably have to put to him or, or the manager the manager will tell you yeah. tell you no doubt 
Okay. Um, now we've got um, uh, Smith's legendary Smith producer Stephen Street on the podcast next week, uh, who's a big QPR fan. Um, maybe you two will come on it together one day. You can interview him. Who knows? But um, somebody has written in. I'm trying to find where the blooming question is. Oh, here it is. Oliver Steen said, "If you had to pick one Smith song to describe your time at QPR so far, what song would it be?" I don't know. It's quite difficult because I haven't been here a, l- a great deal of time. Um, so you know, just sort of start of a journey and I don't think the Smiths necessarily applies to QPR I mean the two different entities and I'd, I'm struggling really um, is the honest answer I don't really want to put it on because if I say one song they'll say oh no that doesn't really apply to us and um, as much as I'd love to give you an answer I am not prepared to Okay, really? fair enough. None. That's the first question I've swerved. Paul, right, Paul right. wants to come in here on this one. No, I'm fine. Yeah. No, because if Paul was going to ask that question. I've, I've just <laughs> jumped in ahead of him. So, a pu- public apologies to Paul there. No, okay. Okay, uh, next question. Jamie Sonning, how are you enjoying London and is it what you expected? It's bigger than I thought it was. It's, you know, it's one of the preeminent cities in the world at the minute. So, it's massive and there's so much to do, so much variety and. You know, you'd like to do loads of things, but you've got to remember you're a professional athlete and you've got to prepare for football matches. And also, if you push down that pen, it will yeah, break. Yeah, sorry, like my pencil just, just broke twice <laughs> in front of Cherry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, very aggressive, very aggressive pencil yeah, writing. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. You're meant to put a little bit out and then write with it. From <laughs> that's what I do. London, what was your um, kind of vision of London? Was it kind of like, because obviously, you know, there was like, to put it in simple terms, East Enders Brookside kind of mentality of the North and the South. Is that what it is? Apparently so. I don't know. But, but like, you know, when you came to play in London, is it, is it now changed to how it was beforehand? No, I mean, obviously us Northerners have a lot of uh, cynicism towards towards London. I mean, the North-South divide is, 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 you know, everyone talks about it. You know, the, the North and the South is very competitive in most countries, but certainly in in England. I mean... South is better, no? I'm northern, so In no. terms of what? <laughs> better at? Better people, better... I don't know, you know, I mean... I'm only, I'm only, I, I I'm say only that saying quite biasedly, yeah. I mean... You know, the, is this, you know, the South is... You know, it's, it's definitely different. I'm trying to be as political and diplomatic as I can no, be. No, 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 don't be diplomatic. Don't be it, diplomatic. It's, it's, it, the South the South, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things positive about the North and a lot of things... Positive about the South. <laughs> 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 All right, Chris has okay. got the last question, right. and we're going to do something before. Okay, we well, I've got I've got one last question from a fan, and one for my six-year-old daughter that I promised I'd ask, and they're sort of tied in because London Jock says, "What's Joey most and least looking forward to about becoming a dad?" Most, I think the most are, are given, isn't it? I think it's quite obvious what you're most looking forward to. Least, I think at the minute, is either the early mornings consistently or changing shitty nappies <laughs> <laughs> the worst is the mornings definitely. is it yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah you get 100%. used to it you get used to you get used to well you don't get used to the mornings you get used to the nappies though it becomes second nature but as i say to qualifies the journey i mean it wouldn't be good if it wasn't so much hard work was it <laughs> yeah <laughs> to, to, be, to be fair in my my daughter's nappies I, i'm convinced i had a vision of john terry and everyone but Visualises John Terry. Right, I just know I never laughed at that either. Do you know if it's a boy or a girl yet? Yeah, no. Waiting to find out. I think 
And when's it due? Well, that shows someone with a true imagination. Because I, ne- I, I never wanted to find out if it was a boy or a girl, and all my mates were all... I, well, I, someone I, said to me, there's not many things in life, there's not many big things in life that are a nice surprise. Exactly. So, I think patience is a virtue. When, I think so. When's it due, nice. Jamie? 30th of December is the due date. Oh, bloody hell. QPR oh, fan. What's that? QPR fan. Joe Barton fan of. Yeah. <laughs> will she be born in, or he be born in London, or will you be going yeah. up to live? Oh, right. So well, listen, the hospitals aren't that bad, yeah? Ealing Hospital. I just wondered whether you wanted to make, to make sure he or she was an official scouser by having them born in Liverpool, that was all. Swansea away on the 27th. I think it's, I think it's irrelevant where you're born. I think you're a product of your environment. You could be born in Outer Mongolia, but you still be. Well, yeah, no, Cliff Richard was born in India and he's still shit, so, yeah. (laughs) All right. Okay, and the last, very last question for my daughter, Joey. Do you prefer cats or dogs? She thought thought about this a long time. I'd say dogs. Dogs are a lot more simple, a lot loyaler, and a little bit less devious. Brill. Okay. That's for Thank you, Joey. We are going to finish up, if you don't mind, the same way we finished up with Sean Derry. When Sean Derry came on, (laughs) we did a little uh, player versus fan quiz with Paul Finney who's to my right here, who is um, not self-styled, but we, we, all, we all certainly think he's uh, much more of a hardcore fan than, than us. Versus About what? The QPR or football? QPR. QPR. But I, I've sort of designed them so that they're questions that you should be able to answer, because I'm not going to ask you long ones about the history. Okay. It should be a general knowledge about football, really, I think. Yeah. Okay. Five, biased. Five questions. <laughs> <laughs> five questions. If the Premier League was run by the age of club, as in how old a club is, where would QPR be in the table? Ah, but that 20 teams. Uh, uh, no, hang on, that depends on what year you think we were formed at. The year that you think. The okay. year that you think. Well, I haven't got a clue when well, it was well, formed. Well, 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 just guess. But I'm surmising, because it says 125 years on the back of the chair. clear. No, they're 125 years old. Well, where would we be in the table? Write down on well, your paper where on, we would be. It says 125 years on the back of the shirt. So does that mean the club's 125 years old? Is that factually correct? It's actually not. Well, people oh, say 1872. Well, why have they got 125? Because, as Paul Finney will tell you, we changed our name to Queens Park Rangers from it, St. I don't even know what a question is. In 1886, you will not find anything right. about Queens in Park Rangers. In the Premier League, are we in talking the Premier, about? In the, if there was a league table of age of club, where would QPR be in the table? Okay. I'm trying to think of clubs that are older than them. So and anywhere it, does between. Does it have to be in the in the current context? So, for instance, Everton used to be called Saint Domingo. Don't go on, Mastermind, Jerry. <laughs> Don't go on, Mastermind. It's it's a very you haven't really specified the question, is it? Yeah, you know, this is Arsenal according, this is according to the Barclays so Premier League question. website. Yeah, but it, is it in the current context? So, for instance, Arsenal, Everton, you know, all these clubs <laughs> had different names. So Everton were known as Saint Domingo from like 1988. <laughs> now they're known as Everton from uh, sorry, yes. 1888 even. I think we should. Yeah, so let's it, say in the previous. <laughs> Four. He doesn't have a clue. Shall I ask a different question? Yeah, I'll ask a different one. <laughs> well, yeah. not really, no. Just, just give a di- just ask know, a decent question. Know. All right, all right. <laughs> Magnus Magnuson <laughs> would never have asked that. True, 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 true. Okay, fine. Mainly because he's dead. Question but, uh, number two. Well, but he would never have asked that. Right, this is definitive. Anne Robinson never would have asked that. <laughs> no. Question number two. Who is the oldest outfield player at Queens Park Rangers? Outfield player. Oldest outfield player. Write outfield it down player. on your sheet. Who is the oldest? Because the oldest, the oldest player is Radek Cherny, who's about fifty-eight. But who is the oldest outfield player? Is next, he though? Is he? Next question. Hang on, I need to think about this. Yeah. Okay. Next question: Who played more games for Manchester City? Club captain, Queens Park Rangers club captain Joey Barton, 
or Queen's Park Rangers assistant manager Keith Kerr who played more games he was there for a while Curly Premier League games games right so that's <laughs> great is that, <laughs> that you wait for Corbyn I have, I have I have clarified that, that one <laughs> okay next question <laughs> next question who is the player with the most international caps in the Queen's Park Rangers squad I know that Full. Finney knows it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being old. Yes, now. full. All right, sorry. <laughs> full international caps. <laughs> All right, we'll ask. We'll ask. Went to my school, so I should know. Well, that, really? so that narrative sure. there, you, you actually give it away there, haven't you? Yeah. So we went to your school and you're from Northern Ireland. Just, just yeah. remember that Paul <laughs> lost to Sean Derry. Oh, did he? He did. Did you mean the current squad? Or in the current squad. Sorry, sorry, not uh, all time. Not all time. Uh, sorry, he's thinking sorry. He's you were thinking Alan McDonald. Yeah, yeah. In oh, the current squad, oh. who is the player with the most international caps? I did say in the QPR squad. I didn't say in QPR history. Okay, next question. Two more questions. Who is the heaviest scouser at QPR? Clint Hill, Bradley Orr, or Joey Barton? Officially. According to the Queen's Park Rangers website, All right. well, who the is the heaviest? Oh, the heaviest? Bradley Orr, Clint Hill, Joey Barton. Oh, that's easy, isn't it? It should be. <laughs> should Definitely be. not me. Final no. question. And you, either, you either know this one or you don't. 16 stone, it can't be me. <laughs> yeah. You either know this one or you don't. Which QPR player appeared in an Oscar nominated film? Oh. Of all time. But no, there is a player current. in the 25 now current yeah. player who has appeared in an Oscar nominated film at some point in his life he did yeah. and you either know it or you don't definitely don't know that wait we can, I can what? hear you I didn't hear that okay um, right. I think I know it like but right Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Question number one. Question number one. If the Premier are we gonna League, are we going to swap sheets here? No, no, no. You can just tell me what you got. It's like countdown. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. All right. Keep uh, well, you need to hurry up. Okay. Not got his headphones. Question number one. In the Premier League, if the Premier League was run by eight clubs, no, we, we, yeah, we forgot that one. Yeah, right. go on. tell, us the, tell us the answer anyway. Thirteenth. One hundred and twenty-nine years old. Oh, I don't know. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> All right. That's not good, is it? Arsenal were founder members, weren't we? So are we 13th? Arsenal and Everton are the only two I'm clubs that have been yeah, in Division yeah, yeah. 1 all the time. I actually put 14th, but I'm both. Okay. Right, who is the oldest outfield player at the club? Joey, what did you say? I said Sean Derry. Same as me. You're wrong. It's Hyder. Ah, he was born in August 1977. Yeah, but Sean looks older. Sean looks much older. <laughs> he was uh, born four months later. That moustache, by the way. He, that, that's, I had uh, both of them. He looks like. Yeah, why have you. It's not, when does November end? Today. To, 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 yeah. Uh, it's all right. Okay. Yeah, he's got a look. Yeah, use as good as well. Next question. Yeah. Who played more games for Manchester City? You're going to have Joey. to edit that out. You know you are. <laughs> Joey Barton or. Ma or Keith Curl, who played more games for I've Man just City. gone, because there'll be like Zenith data systems, trophies and stuff, I've just gone for Keith Curl. That's why it's similar to Cups will be There's well. loads of mad yeah. random com well. competitions yeah, there. Yeah, I've got Keith Curl 172 against your 130. Alright, but it's more about quality, not quantity. Yeah, yeah. No, no, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> so at the <laughs> moment you're drawn, well. you're one all. I who got Keith Curl, I put Keith Curl. I got Keith Cole as well. Yeah, you're one all. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Who I is, right who oh, is yeah, the cool. player with the most international caps? At the moment. <laughs> who did Paul, you put, Paul? Paul get one. 
Who did you put? Paul? I put Hilda. You put Hilda. Hilda. Hilda Helgerson. Hilda Helgerson. <laughs> I had Sean Hilda. Wright Phillips. Hilda Helgerson, fifty-five. Danny oh. Gabadon is second on forty-five. Mm. I can't put it to the Okay, Tool, Tool, Tool. Second last question: Who is the heaviest scouser at QPR? Clint Hill, Bradley Orr, or Joey Barton? Joey. A f- big Ori, I think. I put Orr as well. These are too easy. Bradley Orr, eleven stone, eleven. Apparently, you're eleven stone dead. <laughs> is that not Bradley, right? Bradley Orr's never been eleven what stone. Is he that's what it says. Well, eleven stone, eleven. That's 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 twelve but stone. He's still really. he's still not that. No, he looks about thirteen. No, he's not. He's, he's just. I'm Blame the club. Right. So we yeah, got we got a tiebreaker here. Then your tool, your tool. Who? Which QPR player? Final question has appeared in an Oscar-nominated film. Paul, what did you put? Nothing. Sorry, I got nothing. I couldn't think of nothing. You didn't put anything. Uh, I knew this. So who is it? Bit. Fitz Hall. It's Fitz Hall. Fitz Hall appeared in The Fifth Element, apparently. Yeah, the um, right. Bruce Willis film in the first few scenes of uh, the film. So that's a, that's a draw, then? So that's no, a draw. Well, Joey, Joey got it because he did answer it. He yeah, didn't yeah. put it on his sheet. So that's twice, t- two times out of two, Paul, that you've lost to the player. I'm shaved. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Um, all right, Joey, thank you very much for coming in. What about in. this extras? Yeah, we do that after, Chris, oh, right. when we finish recording. <laughs> <laughs> Jump in the um, gun. Okay, so, uh, just before we go, I need to tell you all the housekeeping stuff. First of all, we've got a new iPhone app out this week. Uh, you can get this podcast before it comes out on iTunes, and all the latest news from the BBC and Guardian direct to your phone. You can get the app by following the link from, link from qprpodcast.com. The first 100 downloaders get the app for 99p, the rest pay more, and as you heard Chris just say, they also get a little bit extra, which we're <laughs> going to record at the end of this show. To keep in touch with us, follow us on Twitter at QPR Podcast. You can uh, uh, follow us on Facebook at look, Search for Open All Ours. You can email us, qpr at playbackmedia.co.uk. Hello to everybody listening to us on breezeam.com. And um, you can get all the links at qprpodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. Joey, thank you very much for coming in. It's been absolutely great having you. This has been Open All Arts, the QPR podcast. Good night. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk.